I take world-class soloists, so the best of the best. So I take violinists and cellists and singers that can solo anywhere in the world. And I go into the darkest places in the world. Hey, my friends. I am so pleased to bring you to someone who he's actually an old friend of mine. This is one of those guys who I knew shortly after my conversion, reversion to the faith. And um, incredible guy who was a musician, always a great musician. But when I met him first, he was a single guy, by the way, um, he was just into music and doing music for the Lord in a way that was stunning. His songs were so inspiring. Uh, they were prayers in and of themselves. You could pray with them. Um, he went on into doing all sorts of great and amazing things. He played with full orchestras, his own compositions all over the world. Stunning stuff. Went, he was involved with EWTN. He was originally Canadian, by the way, but uh, he's been in the States many, many years now. But you know, one of the works that he has done is truly moving. And that's something I want to share with you. It is his work in prisons with prisoners, bringing them hope, bringing them amazing concerts in jail. And it's done stunning things. He's never shy to evangelize with the faith, and he brings it into all his music. It all comes out of a very deep life of faith, one which, as is in the case of most people of great faith, that's born in a great crucible of suffering. Stay tuned for this interview with Eric Jenis. Hello, friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 of these brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Now, each round is stamped with the image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, LifeSite's logo surrounded by a brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches. They, of course, commemorate our 25-year anniversary of LifeSite News. We began in 1997 in September, so September of 2022 was 25 years. These one-ounce silver rounds are available from our partners at stjosephspartners.com, where you can fulfill all of your silver and gold needs in this perilous time. May God bless you. Eric, welcome to the program. Thank you. So great to be here and so great to see you again. Let's begin as we always do at the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Eric, what a what a joy. It is a great, great privilege for me to be with you again. I haven't seen you in years. Well, seen you, seen you. I watch you and have seen uh, your great work, uh, but it's so great to talk to you again. Um, would you mind starting off with giving everyone a little background on your life? You're doing incredible work, but the story of your faith and of your family I think is really the crucible from where all that comes from. If you wouldn't mind sharing with us. Sure. So um, I start, you know, I, I was studying piano even as a child and I, you know, I used to, I, I got, uh, I went and did, you know, performance on the piano and all that was wonderful. And I studied a great deal of classical music, but I always had a love and a passion for composing my own. And when I got my final exam and my piano studies were done, 
I've never played anybody else's music again. I've only, you know, practiced, rehearsed, um, and composed and worked on and performed my own music. Um, got married at 27 years old. We have four beautiful children. Um, one of my children passed away. We have three. We've had a number of pregnancies uh, that ended up, you know, the child being born, living for a few hours and passing away. So um, I'm waiting for, we have a whole whole army waiting for us up in heaven. Um, but I, I, John Henry, with the, with the concept of my work, I promised the Lord as a young man that I would never say no. If somebody wanted an Eric Janis concert, I would move mountains to go and, and to perform. And one of the things I found was I, I take world-class soloists, so the best of the best. So I take violinists and cellists and singers that can solo anywhere in the world. And I go into the darkest places in the world. So I played over a thousand shows in prisons. My 1,000th show was in death row in Texas. And it was really quite an interesting show. I'll just give you a little bit of the background of that show. It was sort of like a V. So it's a V and you're performing right at the corner of the V. And that V is broken up into three sections. Section one, they have dates. You know, believe it or not, these guys on death row, John Henry, they don't, they don't dread the day they're gonna die. They dread the day they could be in there for decades. And most of them are. They dread the day that they get a call from their lawyer for them to say the state is now preparing your date of execution. That's the day they dread. Isn't that amazing? So they live day after day, after day just dreading this phone call. So we played this concert. I've done you know a number of concerts on death row recently since COVID too. Then I'm going back and doing a third in October going back next week to play up in um, Pelican Bay, which is a super maximum security prison up in California. But playing back to this V, this, one section has dates, another section are waiting for dates and another section are fighting their convictions. And um, I put speakers in all three sections and they're not allowed out of their cells. So I'm running like a madman from one section to the next. And I'm speaking to them and I'm talking and you know, giving the background of each store of each piece as though, you know, I can see them, but I can't. Even when I'm right in front of their cell, big cement wall is just a slit for them to look through. So we finish, they scream. They are very gracious and they're, and I mean scream in a positive way. They're, they're very grateful, John Henry. Um, and I'm using them because they are an extreme example of, you know, the, the scene, the famous scene everybody knows from, um, you know, Shawshank Redemption, John Henry, I live every show, every show in these prisons. So we perform. And then I went from cell to cell. What do I see in men on death row? I see them in tears because when I'm going from cell to cell after the show, I'm looking through the slit to see them and they're looking through the slit to see me. So it's like we're face to face and they're living in a cell eight by 10, maybe. And, you know, most of them don't because of staffing issues. They don't get their hour out. So they're in those cells, no windows. And what are they doing up there? They're doing book studies. They're doing, you know, they're studying Plato. And they all say this thing. I did my, my crime 20, 30 years ago. I was either high or in the middle of an addiction. And my judgment was completely off. John Henry, that is the real pandemic. You want to talk pandemic? The drugs 
that these kids have exposure to is so bad and it destroys how they think and it destroys their judgment. And then they do things they would never identify with or never relate to. So here up in death row, you have 40, 50 year old men who have done horrible things and they are so remorseful. You know, I see this over and over again. It just breaks my heart because I think, you know, that's the problem. The problem is if we weren't living in such a culture with the, the availability of these drugs was right there to children and we didn't promote it as a being cool or we didn't sort of, you know, sing about it and, and make TV shows about it that make it look kind of fun and how cool it is to get high and all that. It's, there's nothing cool about it. Nothing, nothing cool or worthwhile about it. Nothing good comes from it. Nothing. You know, when people talk about it like it's fun or funny or what they're doing this weekend, I think, come with me, spend one day with me in these prisons, and it'll cure you of any desire to be cool in that aspect. But these are men, John Henry, they have souls like you and I. Before God, there is no difference in dignity. You know, I get a lot of mail that's unpleasant saying, you know, how dare you go in and play for them? And I get sometimes, you know, um, you know, mail that'll say things like, you know, I hope the family of the victims find you, you know, things like that. And, and yeah, you know, but I mean, people are hurt by crime and, you know, I don't respond to them, but my thought is, okay, if you're hurt by crime, I get it. We all are to a certain degree at a certain level. So let's do something about it. Go and tutor a child in the inner city school that has no father, that has a mother that's, a you know, sort of leaves them or, 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 um, you know, struggling with addiction. So the children are, 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 you know, kind of ostracized or they're just kind of neglected. Go and help, you know, go and be part of the solution. We're all part of the solution, John Henry. Great things happen, but there is such a need. So I've thrown my life at taking world-class soloists and going into rehab centers and inner city schools and prisons throughout the world, mostly in the United States since COVID, but throughout the world, and um, tried to elevate their humanity and sort of, you know, remind them of who they are as people with profound dignity that we all have, that we can't lose. And that's that comes from one area. And that is the fact that we're all made in the image of God, which is a very complex reality, but it's worth diving into that, uh, that complexity for life, right? It's worth sort of thinking about that and coming to the realization of that and really trying to uncover that. And how do you uncover that? Prayer and sacraments, it's the only way. Absolutely. Okay, set up this clip for us. This is you in a prison having performed. We're going to show a little bit of that, but also the reaction of, uh, of prisoners to it. Tell us about this before we play it. Every time I play in prison, Sean Henry, one of the beautiful things I do is I go, I go to the back after the show when there's time. There's not always time because the prison needs me out or they're going to do the count or they're going to lock it down or something. But whenever there's time, I go to the back and I greet the men or the men come to the front and, and greet me. And for that two minutes, you know, they're, they're not greeting me. They're, they're sort of trying to uncover the experience that they've had and, and the experience that I'm so honored and grateful to have been part of by bringing these great soloists and performing for them. So they often come, John Henry, full of emotion, full of tears, you know, you know, going up on death row. This guy, you know, Romero Gonzalez, he was scheduled to die the day before we went in. Then he got a last minute stay. So they drove him back to death row. And he's there weeping on the other side of this wall. And he's saying things like, I was supposed to die yesterday. I would have missed this. And, you know, um, 
He said, this is the highlight of my life. I'll never forget him for saying that. And, and I just think, oh, I'm so grateful and so humbled, you know, to, to be able to be given this great gift by God to go in and, and to share this. So the men, they hug, they shake my hand, they weep, they say strong things, but they're not talking to Eric. Eric is flawed. Eric is broken like everybody else. They're trying to have an encounter. They're trying to come to some sort of uh, meaning to what they just experienced, John Henry. And that for that, I'll be an outlet all day long. And I just stand at the back and they want to they, they want a hug. I'll give them the warmest hug I've got in me. So um, these are men. These are men who um, who are, you know, filled with remorse. But, you know, John Henry, when you think about it, and this is one of the first things I say when I walk in, I can read about what you did on Google, unless I'm willing to stand up on this table and announce all the things I've done wrong, then I have no right to judge. And therefore, there is no judgment in this room. There's just going to be two hours of just sheer glory. And then off we go. Then we perform. So, you know, at the end, when we hug, it's just man to man, friend to friend, brother to brother, and just, you know, pouring it all out there. And that's what you're going to see. You know, I was once performing in a prison, and this one guy who was in a gang his whole life said, you know, I've been in here almost my whole life. And he said, this concert almost made it worth it. Because these prisons are void of any beauty. starving for beauty, but they have no experience of beauty whatsoever. I said, I just want to thank you for gracing us with your presence. Oh, thank you, my friend. Um, this is really, it was really uplifting for me. Um, you spoke about beauty and um, the uplifting of the humanity condition, and that starts with love. Yeah. You know, and that's what I felt with your music, yeah. love. Awesome. So thank you. Oh, thank you, sir. That's truly beautiful. If you wouldn't mind, Eric, I know there's a lot of people who were interested in what you said at first. Um, you and your beautiful wife have experienced lots of loss um, in, in, in a way that, you know, you want to say nobody should. Of, of children conceived and lost in the womb and then some born and died whom you were able to bap give baptism to. And, and I know they're up in heaven right now, sort of, I always like to think of it, they're pulling on the rope and you guys are hanging on. Um, you do have a little army waiting for you there and, and um, rooting for you up there. But if you wouldn't mind going into that a little bit, just so that people understand the suffering that you've endured and what you've done with that suffering that's inspired you so much and made you such a man of faith. So, um, you know, when you read about all the lives of the saints and when you read different writings of the saints and, you know, Sister Lucia and, you know, from Fatima, they talk about suffering in a really profound way. And the one thing is that I can read about it. But then when you experience some very intense suffering in your own personal life, you can read it again. And it's like, I had no idea what it was saying until now. You know, 
I met Mother Angelica, you know, decades ago, and she once said to me, oh, you're going to go through a great deal of suffering. And I thought, okay. Um, I just sort of, you know, thought, yeah, I didn't think much of it at the time. Um, John Henry, two years ago, so much, sorry, background to this. So my wife and I have lost a few children. My wife's given birth. The child lived for a couple hours, and then the child has passed away. And that's happened on a couple of occasions. We've lost many children, um, you know, miscarried many. But our eldest son, Gabriel, um, was, um, he has always suffered with this, uh, what they call Asperger's, it's a form of autism. And how does it manifest itself in Gabriel's life? Well, Gabriel was very smart. Gabriel was very good looking. And what happened was a lot of, he would find that, you know, he was, well and you know he would meet people and want friends and want people's you know admiration and love and attention and so on just like everybody else but Gabriel was a bit socially different so you know he would just you know just he had Asperger's and it would massive you know sort of it would manifest itself just with a bit of social quirkiness and people would meet him and then sort of keep a bit of a distance from him and he felt that distance and it made him feel horribly lonely, horribly unworthy. And um, and just the, the other sort of attributes that came with with um, autism and and, and um, Asperger's as well. And Gabriel took his life two years ago. You know, the pain was overwhelming. The pain was um, unbearable. And it was many times very unbearable. So to us as parents, it was very, very difficult. It was very sad. It was tragic. It was... The sense of loss, you could hardly breathe. You'd almost have to tell yourself, keep breathing, keep breathing at that loss. But it wasn't surprising because the boy had suffered so much. And he always questioned, you know, he said, God, does God abandon me the way people abandon me? Does God reject the way people reject? So he found it very difficult to sort of feel that he had any sort of anything about him that was lovable. Um, and this is where I just think, you know, it's sort of, you know, I, 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 I didn't talk about Gabriel, you know, after the event happened very much because I didn't want the show to become distracting. I wanted people to be uplifted and edified. But John Henry, people started finding out and then people would tell me, like come up to me after the show and say, you know, my mother, my father, my dad, my, sorry, my brother, my sister, my children, my, my aunt, my uncle, my grandfather, they had done similar act. And so I started realizing this is a lot more common and a lot more in the shadows. People would hide it. They wouldn't talk about it. There's a certain shame. There's a certain sense of I have failed. So I thought, okay, you know what? I have to allow my life to be on, you know, just on, on my sleeve. You know, I'm not up at the front holding a microphone or playing the piano because I'm perfect. Nor am I doing that because I'm John Henry. I go to daily mass, you know? There may be the odd time I'm not able to go because of the time or something, but for the most part, I go to daily mass, not because I'm holy, but because I need God. I need God. I go to adoration because I need God. And so, you know, when I look at this and I think, you know, that, that, that Eucharist, you know, being in front of our Lord in the Eucharist through adoration, our Lord is the source of healing. He's the source of joy. He's the source of meaning. He's the source of purpose. You know, he's the source of definition. He's the source of identity. So if you're looking for any of those things in your life 
and you're sort of frazzled and you're lost and you feel like, what is the point of all this? And I don't know if I can endure. Who's the source of all that? And so I sometimes just go before him and I just stare at the tabernacle or if it's, you know, if adoration is exposed, I just stare at him and I just say, Lord, I know you're there. I'm here and I'm very distracted, but I'm giving you all I've got right now. And I just stare at him, John Henry. And why? Because he's God. And so why keep going or why do this work? John Henry, we're on this planet for a short time and then we die. I've never charged for a concert, even though I tour with the best musicians in the country. I want to be able to die and stand before God. And I don't care about my legacy. I don't care who, you know, name and lights and all that stuff. When I'm dead and gone, nobody's going to care. I just want to be able to look at God for that split second and say, you gave me a great gift. And I want to be able to look at God and say, I didn't always get it right. But I tried to be as generous as possible with those who were broken. John Henry, I play in a lot of, you know, high-end events. And I look at, you know, a lot of people. There's a lot of people in this world that are very easy to love. They're good-looking. They're successful. They're actors. They're, they're professional athletes. They're celebrities. They're, they've got all this charisma. They're successful. They're smart. They have vision. There's a lot of people that are easy to love. And then there's a lot of people that are very difficult to love. I have a beautiful girl with Down syndrome that a lot of people may not quite understand. She can't really put a sentence together, but she is as dignified as you or I. And, you know, what about the, you know, when you go to these homeless shelters and, you know, oh, well, they've made their decision. I think when you look at their life, John Henry, and, you know, they, people say about my prison work, oh, well, they made their decision. Now they can pay for it. And I think all things are not as equal as you are trying to make yourself believe they are. When you look at the background, a lot of these men and women, John Henry, they are unrecognizably human. Like, it's just, how do you even survive the background? You know, there's one girl that I will tell you, it's so, so tough. Father was nowhere around and the mother had addiction problems. But the mother also knew that if the child, you know, begged for money, that there would be a lot more success. So at a very young age, she got her child addicted so that the child would have a desperation in requesting for funds. So it sounds horrible to you and I, but when you are on drugs, your judgment is off. So it's not that the mother meant to harm her child. It's just that they're so desperate, right? These are people that are difficult to love. So my thought is we just do what we can. God didn't give me the fight of politics. He didn't give me the fight of, you know, of, of you know, the debt of the country or the inflation of the nation or anything like that. He asked me to go. He didn't even give me the fight to go and heal the people in prison. He just said, go and play for them. That's all. Go and bring them hope to the gifts I gave you. John Henry, that's my goal. Until my, my commander-in-chief gives me different orders, my goal is to bring the gifts that I have and to play for all those that are broken. But I do have another goal, and that is to really connect with the world and sort of give them the vision of beauty. John Henry, right now at such a young age, our children are being inundated with music that, you know, maybe is like the most famous piece last year had such vulgar content. I won't even say the title. And it's not that that language scares me. I played death row. I've heard it once or twice, you know, <laughs> but 
but it is belittling. And to our third graders, it's not funny, it's formation. And they're getting those messages over and over and over again. So the video games are playing that are, you know, filled with pornography and filled with violence and filled and that sort of masterful combination of the two that really sort of gets them hooked. That's their formation. That's their learning how to look at life. They're learning how to look at themselves. They're learning how to look at women. They're learning how to look at their future. The awe and wonder of a boy playing with Lego. It's like, oh, look, this piece is the universe is snuffed out of their eyes. And that cynicism and pessimism that maybe is presented to them at such a young age takes over. That's what I'm trying to fight. I'm not going to sit back and complain. I'm going into their schools. I'm playing as much as possible. And I'm bringing them excitement. The, the greatest thing in the world is when, and I get many of these letters, you know, letters from a, you know, a youth prison or a 15-year-old boy in a school saying, I'm throwing out my playlist. Thank you. I mean, there's nothing better than that. I once played in a, a youth prison, John Henry, for these kids that were all convicted as adults. These are 15-year-old kids that are going down for 30 years. What does a 15-year-old kid know about 30 years? And this, the gang leader stood up and he, he started weeping at the end of the show, weeping in front of 300 top, top criminals. And he said, you know, that violin's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Why have I never heard it before? Okay, John Henry, we're the adults. We have the internet. Unlike any other time in history, our young people have access to the world library of music at their fingertips. They know everything about every style of music. Why do they know nothing about music that uplifts them? So John Henry, my goal is to go throughout the world and to connect with people on a deep level. And, you know, through talking about music, through talking about beauty, through talking about the death and the suicide of my own son, I'll connect on any level that, that people need to connect on. And I'm so excited and so thrilled to do it. And, you know, when I die and stand before God, I just want to say, I tried. I just, I tried to be as generous as possible. That's the goal. Beautiful. So people know, you can go to LifeFunder um, slash Eric Jenis and there be able to support Eric's work to be able to get him into uh, these places with these world-class musicians. Um, and you'll be able to be part of that, part of his ministry, which is truly a ministry blessed by God. And he's been called to do in a very, very real way. And he's been he's given over to that calling. Eric, I want to talk to you a little bit more, though, about this aspect of beauty and the music that most of our young people are listening to nowadays. Because this is a topic you've touched on so far, but I think there's a lot to it. I think most parents have no clue what their kids are listening to. And what is that generally? Generally speaking, what's the most popular form of music for young people and what messages are they receiving? I mean, that's a, that's a great question, right? So, you know, true story, this father comes up to me after a show and he says, um, you know, I was walking by my daughter's room and I heard sort of this really aggressive music with really sort of vulgar language. So I knocked on her door and I said, honey, I'm concerned about what you're listening to. She said, no, 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 it doesn't affect me. And he said, but the music is really aggressive and raunchy and it's, you know, it's agitating. She said, oh, I don't even notice. I just like the melody. 
And he said, the lyrics are horrible. Like they, they put down women, they put down you, they put down society. There's nothing uplifting or hopeful or inspiring whatsoever. She says, I don't even notice the lyrics. I know I sing them. And so, but they don't affect me. And so he walked away sort of buying this idea that they don't affect her. And I truly believe she felt that they it doesn't affect her. And when I look at this, I think, John Henry, we're, we're, we're losing it. Like we're, like when you think about, um, you know, even Confucius, thousands of years ago said, if you want to know the morality of a nation, let me hear the music. John Henry, either he's crazy or we're crazy, but how does that work? You know, he said, let me hear the music. I thought music was just background to my video games or background to dinner. He did not think so. He thought music was so influential that it affects everything about who we are and how we look at life. Plato, he said, he said, you know, if you want to govern a nation, you don't need the laws, you need the music. And so when I think about that, I think, okay, unlike any other time in history, our young have full exposure to all music now. So should that be in any way taught? Like, what is the effect of music? How did the greatest thinkers in history look at music? You know, what did the greatest saints say about beauty and about inspiration? And is there music, especially because when you think about it, our young do little else more than they listen to music. It's behind every video game they play. It's behind every series they binge. It's behind every movie they watch. This is on all the time. Think about it, John Henry. When you and I were kids, we had to go to the record store to buy music. Now they only have to download it. They have full access to it all the time. They don't have to buy it. They don't have to you know, sort of be in a room and listen to an album, they can walk around with it. Something that we've never had ever, ever. And now they have full exposure. Well, isn't it time that we therefore ask, what is the impact of this monster, if you will? What is this, this, this big tsunami has hit us, but we're like, yeah, it's just a means for a certain selection of people to make a lot of money. And then the rest of us are just consumers. And what do we consume? We consume ever, uh, whatever, sort of modern society says it's cool. And I'm trying to say, hold on, hold on. The question isn't, is it cool? The question is, well, let's look at the higher question. The question is, is it good for the soul? If it is true that we're made in the image of God, then anything that would in any way, in any way belittle our humanity is bad. So as cool as we may think it is, it's not good for us. It's not good for us eternally it's not good for our formation it's not good how we look at life it, it sort of belittles the great gift that god gave us and john henry we're all bound by time don't even waste one minute with things that would in any way hurt your soul or hurt you as a person or hurt your psychology or belittle women and so so what's out there? There's a lot out there. What's out there on the um, on all these series on, on TV? There's a lot out there that would be little, you know, many aspects of our life. And I know that your viewership is very varied. So let's sort of leave it at that. There's a lot of things that are fundamentally going at the root of who we are as people. My goal is not to complain about it. My goal is to go and play for them. And then like, you know what, John Henry, I went and played in a youth prison. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Um, the, I was standing beside the warden before the show. This guy, this kid comes up to the warden, doesn't know who I am. And because I, I hadn't started performing yet. And he goes to the warden and says, hey, warden, 
what did I do so bad that you hate me so much that you're going to make me sit for a two-hour violin concert? And I, I was just chuckling. I said, yeah, I don't blame you, kid. I don't want to sit through a two-hour violin concert either, except wait till you hear my violinist, you know? At the end of the show, this boy comes up, gives me a big hug, and he said, most moving thing I've ever, ever seen or heard. This was just amazing. Who are you? And he wouldn't let go. He would not let go. John Henry and I'm thinking, this boy is in prison. This is his first encounter with something that has uplifted his humanity. That's a poverty right there. That's one. Two, why is this the first time he's hearing music that uplifts him? He's educated in this beautiful country. Why aren't we teaching him about beauty? They may, a lot of these kids may go home to tough situations. I play to a lot of at-risk kids. Kids who, you know, the, the concept of having two people who love them and raise them, such as parents, is a concept. It's not reality whatsoever. I, that's a big part of, you know, my audience. But my thought is, okay, we can't fix that. But we certainly can fix how they see themselves through what we feed them, through their, through, you give them beauty, you take the time, you talk to them about it. It elevates them. You let it do what it's going to do. It's like great medicine for the heart and the soul and the mind and the psychology and the emotional. And so that's my goal, John Henry. I'm trying to go in these places and show them the difference, not just talk about the difference. Like right now, regrettably, you and I are talking. I would much rather have, you know, sort of a concert, you know, uh, you know, and, and be talking about this while performing. Because when people are moved by the music, um, it's a whole, and you know, I'll have celebrities say things like, never been so moved in my life. And I'm thinking, you could afford anything in the world. And, you know, you're so moved. And I'm sending back, so grateful to God for this gift, but I know it's a great gift. And I know, John Henry, that God wants me to use it in a way to go after the broken. So I'm using it to go after the broken. That's my Carnegie Hall. Eric, I know a lot of parents are going to be watching thinking, okay, we want this. How do we do this? Our kids are listening to this stuff. We're going to find out right now. I don't even know what they're listening to, but uh, we're going to get behind the headphones, find out what they're listening to. How do we do that? How do we introduce them to good music, which regrettably they might not have heard before? They've gone to mass maybe and, and listened to some music there that's better than what they listen to, but they think, that's eh, boring. I want, I want the exciting music. What approach would you suggest for parents? That's very valid, isn't it? Isn't that very valid? Isn't that interesting? They identify with music. John Henry, you can go up to a kid and insult how he dresses. He's not going to care. Insult how he looks. He's not going to care. Insult his music. You have a fight on your hands. You know, there is something about music that resonates with them on a very deep level. Why? Because when they listen to what they're listening to, it shakes them. Like there's something about it that gets into their bones. They love the lyrics. Even though the lyrics may be horrible, they just, it just finds something in them that identifies with. It may, it may sort of stir the energy in them. It may, you know, I know in a lot of these great private schools where they teach Gregorian chant and they teach sacred polyphony and, 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 and then the kids will go from that and sing in that and sound beautiful and look like angels to going with friends an hour later and listening to the most horrific stuff you'll ever hear. And how do I know? Because they write to me. I'll go and play in their schools and they write to me and they share with me this kind of thing. We're able to make a disconnect from what we sort of know is true 
but what stirs us. So my thought is, you know, don't ever be, as parents, don't ever go and be shocked at what your kids are listening to. And if you think your kids aren't listening to them to this stuff, you may protect them at home. But sadly, the internet's out there. And if they're ever with friends that you think they may not be listening to this, they're often introduced things in ways that, you know, we don't always have full protection over, right? So I would say, don't ever show them that you're shocked. Oh, I can't believe you're listening to this. No, my simple question is, okay, so let me hear whatever you're listening to. Okay, they play it. And I don't sit there and say, oh, isn't that disgusting? Because you're insulting them, right? They're sharing something about them. Okay, this moves me, dad. This moves me, mom. Um, let me share it with you. Well, the second you put it down, you're insulting them. So my thought is, it's just respond with calm and just, oh, that's interesting. What is it about that music that moves you or how does it move you? You know, oh, well, there's an energy to it and I feel enlivened. And my thought, okay, well, let's see. Is there any other form of music where that energy would draw in, but maybe a higher form of music? See, John Henry, that's the beauty. When you think about that kid in that youth prison, why am I sitting through a violin show? I thought, okay, kid, hold hold on to your hat. We're going for a ride here. You know, so I told him before the show, fasten your seatbelts because you're going to hear that violin played faster than you've ever heard anything played in your life, you know? And so we get up there and it's, we played and the kid was taken like from the first note, John Henry. It was so beautiful to see. So my thought is, you know, um, you know, there's 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 a couple of aspects this music or this movie series is touching something in them oh but my daughter loves you know this kind of music because it evokes the romance of life in her okay well there's something missing in her that she needs all this romance and she's thinking about this romance and all this stuff which isn't good right john henry because then their imagination goes wild with all this you know, romantic feeling music. And I think that that sentimental, sentimentality in music can be a problem, you know, just as much as sort of hardcore rap or hardcore or screamo metal. I think all levels of music, you know, there can be aspects that are concerning in many. So I address them right there in concert. But in order for me to get away with being so hardcore about not insulting their music, but questioning what they're listening to, I've got to move them first with my violin and cello and the piano. If I don't move them, then I'm just someone talking, right? So John Henry, that's a big part of the show to go out there in concert, no matter what the audience could be, the toughest kids could be the most sophisticated school and go in and move them. If they're moved, then you have an audience and then you can talk to them. And I never, and I always tell them, don't believe me, don't listen to me. But if you're going to disagree with me, know why you're disagreeing with me. And if you want to pretend that this music has no effect on you, um, you now know it's a lie. Because if they're moved by mine, then equally they could come to the conclusion they're moved by the other music, maybe in ways that aren't so positive, John Henry. And so that's the goal. The goal, and but and, uh, the disadvantage of all this is I don't think you can intellectually go in and have that discussion. They have to. They're looking to, they're starting in here and you've got to move them in here. And how do you do that? Through live music. And that's why John Henry, I always think, you know, people say, oh, Eric, can you record a show? 
There's something really sterile about recording a show, John Henry. It's got to be live. So if people want, I'm happy to go and play where people are, you know, um, but that's, that's the goal is for me to go out and play live until I have no more air in my lungs, you know. Eric, yeah. it's been great talking to you. You know, our culture today tries to erase people with disabilities. Um, you know, Down syndrome, they, they tell us in the UK, is almost eliminated. Um, and they're going in and killing these children. And that's how they eliminate them. Yeah. Would you mind introducing us to your daughter and uh, telling us farewell that way? This is my daughter, Anastasia. Anastasia, how old are you? 19. 19 years of sheer trouble, John Henry, right here, boy. She's <laughs> not as nice as she looks, are you? <laughs> okay, she's awesome. John Henry, isn't it interesting? You have different countries like England saying that, different countries in the Netherlands talking about things like that. Oh, we want to be rid of this. I'm thinking rid of what? It's not a disease. Get rid of cancer all day long. Why are you talking about this? And then they even use language, right? So the thing is, if you believe in that, I mean, that's called profiling, right? So we have decided the smart people wearing white, you know, lab coats have decided that there's a whole other group of people that should not live. And I'm thinking, what, what right, why do they have any right to live than you? And secondly, if you do agree with that, at least use the language. It's heinous, it's murder, and it's, it's, um, to say we have profound dignity, but them, they should die. How does that add up at all? How do you come to those conclusions? But at least it's, it, it would be honest, right? But then when you say things like, oh, no, it would be merciful on the families because it's, you know, it's tough on the families, you know, to raise these children. John Henry, a good part of my life is to hang out with Anastasia to make sure she's safe and all that. I go on tour and I come home. And it's me and her on the trampoline and me and her doing different things. I gladly give up any part of my life for my beautiful daughter. And you know what? It's a gift to me. It's a gift to me. Maybe a gift to her. It's a gift to me. I can't think of a better way to spend my life than to serving her. So, John Henry, you know what? Again, you know, we can sit there and scream about, you know, how unjust this is or to recognize she is a gift to our family. All my daughter does is love. And you know, my thought is, is that what we have to do is really come to recognize that we're, we're all made in God's image. God has a plan and he never promised me the plan. He didn't say, Eric, let me explain this to you. He didn't promise me an explanation. So just pray, receive the sacraments and look at everything he gives you even the suffering as a gift because that's what draws you closer to him. He's now using this tool, whatever this or that tool is, and your perception of that tool may be completely different than the reality. So our Lord may be saying, here's a gift that looks like pain. I recognize it hurts, but it's going to draw you closer to me. If I sit there and complain about it, what am I doing? So my thought is, this is tough one, Lord. I don't get it. But thanks be to God. So I look at my son, my son, Gabriel, tough, tough situation. But you know what? Our Lord loved my son. That's all I got, John Henry. But that's a lot. That's a lot. And so our Lord, you know, 
our Lord loved Gabriel and our Lord knew how much Gabriel suffered. And our Lord knew Gabriel was, you know, sort of thinking on in different terms, but our Lord loved him. And when God loves, he loves perfectly. I take great consolation in that. And then, you know what? I keep going, I keep going, I keep going with my beautiful family and with my work to do all I can to bring my gifts because sooner rather than later, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to die and stand before God too, you know, and I'm counting on her prayers. Isn't that right? <laughs> Eric, it is so awesome to have been with you. Tell us before you leave, where can people find out about you? We know you can already go to lifefunder.com and support Eric's work there. Where can they find out more about you? Where can they see your website? They can go to ericgenis.com. If people, John Henry, when people say, oh, how can we support your work? Book a concert in your area is the greatest way. I'll come and play for your people. That is the best way to support the work because then you can see, I think you'll be seeing something, you know, that may be new, that may be exciting for all ages and all level of sophistication. But ericgenis.com, it's E-R-I-C-G-E-N-U-I-S.com. And I'm very accessible. My number's there. Email is there, ericgenis at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, that's the best way. Beautiful. So great to see you again. Amen, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you for giving us the privileges of uh, supporting what you're doing. Thank you, John Henry. Such an honor. God bless me, my if friend. If my music can ever serve life, 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 life site news, you'll let me know. I do a benefit for you guys. Amen to that. And God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect.